place you come to play. So good morning everyone in the room and everyone on Zoom. So the title of this talk today, or the theme of this talk, is one of going back to basics and, um, and looking at what happens when we actually do identify um, with our thoughts and feelings as being us in some way. Just a couple of quotes to begin with that we actually um, uh, recited in the, in the um, sutra service this morning. First from the Heart Sutra, as it starts, from the depths of Prajna wisdom, the Bodhisattva of compassion saw into the emptiness of every construct, in other words, the emptiness of every thought, every belief, and so passed beyond all suffering. That's the basics of Buddhism right there in those opening lines. Joko also says in her um, uh, essay, you know, what is practice? She starts off with the lines, when we make a personal investment in our thoughts, we create the I, and then our life begins not to work. These two statements are basically saying the very same thing. Joko's words are everyday words, they're a little easier to understand. But they're both basically saying the same thing. And uh, in Zen practice in particular, every school of Buddhism has a somewhat different slant on the Dharma. Like it includes everything, but it emphasises one particular aspect of it. One of the things I've noticed about um, Theravada Buddhism, it seems to have a very strong emphasis on impermanence. Like it's a very main teaching. And it is there in Zen, of course, too. But one of the characteristics of Zen, and that's why the Heart Sutra is recited so much in, in Zen, is that it's about seeing into the emptiness of constructs, concepts, ideas, good and bad, right and wrong, enlightenment, suffering, better and worse, you and me. It's about seeing through those concepts as just being empty in nature um, and not things to be taken too seriously you know, in the way that we live our lives. And uh, the whole koan system, the koan curriculum, is a, a sort of quite an ingenious device, really, to use words, to destroy words, <laughs> right? to use stories and folklore and dialogues. Um, it's using concepts to destroy concepts. That's how it works. Um, but as Joko says, um, all of us to one degree or another make a personal investment in our thoughts, in our feelings, and out of that we create the I. And then our life begins not to work, right? <laughs> in other words, you know, resonating with the Heart Sutra and, and so pass beyond all suffering when we're no, long, no longer doing that anymore. So right there is the heart and soul of what practice is. Now, um, in my um, therapeutic work, um, I've been working with a, one or two or three people at the moment um, uh, who suffer from this identification with their thoughts very strongly. 
and it really creates a lot of suffering in their life and are really not concerned about whether we call this therapy or dharma, it's irrelevant. Um, whether you call it therapy or you call it dharma, it's all about reducing suffering or seeing through suffering and how we create suffering. Um, so in some, if, that's, if that's the central aspect of therapy and dharma, then it's all the one thing, really. And as I go into this example, you will see clearly that it's dharma and it's therapy at the same time. I've got a few people who I've said to them recently, sometimes you have to work with someone for a while and have their trust and know that you, you can challenging them or confronting them because you're on their side, not because you're attacking them. And um, I said the same, the same words or given the same view to uh, two or three people and it, they've, they've accepted it quite well and it's, they said that really resonates and it really feels true. And what it is, is that with these people in their life, um, they've got a pattern in their lives, in their marriages which are broken up, in friendships which are broken up, and in their workplace, you know, and lost jobs, because there's a pattern there that's gone on for many, many years. Is if someone doesn't validate their view, not even criticising their view, someone doesn't validate their view, if you, the principal thing, you don't validate my view or my thought or my belief, then that means you're not validating me, right? It's a, it's a clear identification. My view is me. Can't make a separation there at all. And when that occurs, the suffering that comes out of that, if you don't agree with me, my view, that means you're invalidating me that means that I'm unworthy. And then what these two or three people do when they feel unworthy, they then get angry and they become more adamant in pushing their view and coming back and not letting go like a dog with a bone. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that when they're so angry at people all the time, people do start rejecting them. They don't want to be around them. And so Yes, then they start to feel as though um, they're rejected or they're not worthy in some kind of way. And the, so it's really clear when we get, when we take things personally, when our view is not validated, it's a real clear litmus test that we're still identifying with thoughts and views and opinions and so on. And so they really are us. You know, we've made a a personal investment in them as the I. And if I reflect on this, um, and you may wish to too, I've done the same thing. <laughs> I can think of instances in my life where someone didn't accept my view and I take it personally, um, and I do what they do. I may not do it to the same extreme as these two or three people do, but we're all on the spectrum of doing this. We're all on the spectrum of having identified with our thoughts and views about various kind of, kind of things. Um, and it's not a matter of, of whether they're criticised, um, it's a matter whether they're just not validated. You, know? you don't validate my view, you don't validate me. And then I feel unworthy and if I feel unworthy I either go away and be dejected and depressed or I attack you for making me feel unworthy.
So it's a, real, it's a really good litmus test of really understanding how much we're really attached to thoughts and feelings, if that's our response. Now, of course, it's very different if someone actually does attack us personally um, for having a view like that, that saying, you know, playing the man rather than the ball, you know, and it becomes a personal criticism. And that, that's maybe handled in, in various different ways. Sometimes it's actually best to do nothing when that occurs. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't cower, you don't turn away, you don't attack, you kind of experience it. Right? It can often be a very useful, skillful thing to do. But it's not always the, the most skillful thing to do. Sometimes you have to stand up to bullies, you know, and, and address it and so on. So I'm not saying there's one, there's one single way of dealing with these things, which um, Torre Zenji's sutra would seem to imply. <clears throat> variety of different responses. Um, but if you, if you even reflect on it now, if you, if you reflect on um, the number of people who are interacting right now through the world, whether they're friends or acquaintances or whatever, and you could imagine a lot of people saying coffee shops around this area where they're just having playful conversations, you know, like someone's got a view, someone might challenge it and it goes along, but it's all kind of fun, you know, and it's not taken seriously. And then you think of conversations where people are caught up in arguments, you know, and in conflict and criticising, da-da-da-da, and it becomes heated and suffering and people have hurt feelings. That's also going on right now, probably quite a lot. Uh -huh. And at the heart of it is this, this over-identification with my thoughts and my feelings that come out of it. This is a little diversion from this. I was reading the other day a, a book about dog psychology and, and how dogs have an innate sense of fairness. And, um, and when dogs play with one another, um, it's got to be equal. Like one dominates and then, then the other dominates and then they take it in turns, even with big dogs and little dogs. And if it gets to a 60-40 ratio, it's like, no, it's, that, that, that's it's not okay. It's got to be 50-50. Right? So they do have a sense of fairness. And often when people converse with one another, they converse in that spirit, even though it might be teasing or, you know, debating and things like that. It's like, you, you can dominate and then I can dominate. Da, 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 da. But if one person's just dominating all the time, it's like one dog, you know, become aggressive to another dog, like the game's over. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and so people can have playful conversations and exchanges of views because there isn't any sort of very strong attachment or de identification. Um, but when it becomes serious, you know, um, it's a good litmus test. Thing is, human beings um, attach to views and thoughts and opinions, etc., um, because it's it's a form of grasping, and and anything that becomes a fixation is a form of grasping, and we don't feel totally. We live in a, in a world of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to come next. 
um, everything's impermanent, everything's empty. Uh, and we all experience that. And if we don't accept that as that as being the nature of existence, then we cling on to certain views and things as being true to try and find an anchor in this world of uncertainty. And, um, and, and the more insecure we feel, um, the more we want to cling to those anchors, you know, very, 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 very tightly. We all know from our own experience of practice, um, as in when we let go of clinging to those fixations, something transforms. We just feel more at peace in ourselves. You know, we feel more grounded. Those are words from um, one of T.S. Eliot's poems, um, which reverberates in my mind. And I remember Robert Aitken wrote, she used to quote them quite a lot. It's actually short square fingers stuffing pipes assured of certain certainties. Certain certainties, assured of certain certainties. This kind of habitual fixation on knowing, you know, what, what is right, what is true, you know, when there isn't anything like that much at all. And that's where we get stuck, that's where suffering occurs. By contrast, if you do something like Zen practice, um, paradoxically, when you let go of these fixations and this need to be right, um, a confidence actually grows within you. Right? Um, because your confidence is not it's not based on anything false or flimsy like that. It's based on being one with impermanence. It's being one with interconnectedness, emptiness. It's a very grounded kind of experience. And one way of understanding Zen, if you were to put it in philosophical terms, it's kind of, I would describe it as radical empiricism. Um, because it's you know, it's about coming into the, the suchness of everyday life, life as it is. If we use the words life as it is, it means the beige carpet, you know, and the white door and the mirror and the sound of the traffic going by. It's kind of like the facts of life coming and going. So in that sense, it's very, very empirical. And if what we identify with what is life as it is, what is empirical, um, if that's what informs our sense of self, um, it's, not, it's not something that can be disputed, really. You know? To come back to different sutras again, there is the Heart Sutra and there is the um, identity of relative and absolute. Now, the Heart Sutra comes out of India, right? In that sort of philosophical tradition, the um, sutra of identity of relative and absolute actually comes out of a Chinese culture, out of a Zen culture established in China. And the Heart Sutra is so absolute, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's so, it's so absolute, it's so outrageous in a sense, it's something very... 
um, delightful about it. You know, no, 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 nothing. No, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. No consciousness, no eye, no seeing, no hearing, no eyes, you know, no body, nothing, nothing, nothing. Right? Um, it starts off saying that form is emptiness and emptiness is form. And then it just goes on to say that everything is empty. Right? Now, it's really good in one sense. It's like, it's so radical, it kind of cuts through. Right? But really, a truer sutra, do you know, that really more truly conveys what life is about, is the identity of relative and absolute. Right? And let me quote from it. You know, it, it's so much in contrast to the um, Heart Sutra where it says, Oh, yeah. Let me remind you. Fire is hot, the wind blows, water is wet, and a solid is hear sound. Uh, sorry, eyes, hear, eyes see forms, ears hear sounds, noses smell, tongues tell salty from sour. So it is with everything everywhere. Mm. All right? Very contrasting with no eye, no ear, no sound, you know, saying there is all these things, right? Um, so actually that sutra is in, in many ways a more complete way of understanding the way we experience life. But if we ground ourselves in that, if we ground ourselves in that water is wet, fire hot, the wind blows, it's raining, it's sunshine, there's blue skies, right? there's green trees, you base yourself in that, that primary experience and well, that includes basing yourself in the experience of thoughts coming and going and feelings coming and going without fixating on them, then there's no suffering. There's pain, maybe, sometimes. There's no suffering. No psychological suffering in that. Everything is clear. And that's, that is the nature of practice. So like I said before, identifying with thoughts and feelings and noticing we get upset when they're not validated in some kind of way is a clear litmus test we're still hanging on. So it's, it's a, the psychological word for it is fixation. Right? Holding, holding on. And to uh, end this talk, um, I've got a, I mentioned before, I've got a a Zen diary, every day you peel off and it's got a Zen saying. And the one the other day was, if you don't let go, you will be dragged along. <laughs> Please remember that. <laughs> Thank you, everyone.